This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Hi, welcome to the Finding Holy podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Hales, author of the book Finding Holy in the Suburbs. And here at the Finding Holy podcast, we want to help you connect the dots between the things that really matter and your everyday holy life. This is a podcast for you if you long for a life that feels spacious, but you're stuck with dishes and laundry and a to-do list a mile long. This is a podcast for you if you long to integrate what you know with who you are and how you live, even in a pandemic world. So join me along with authors, pastors, artists, and activists to hear how they connect the big things of life into the ordinary habits of their days. And to help you on your journey, you'll get one small step that you can take with you into your week to integrate all that you heard in our conversation. You'll also get to hear my guest laundry routines because big things matter, but so does the laundry. Here's a bit more about my guest today. Heather Kaliri is a writer and artist who is happily content with being an awkward Christian. Tired of anxiety controlling your life? You can try her mini course called Five Tiny Ideas for Managing Anxiety for free when you click on the link in the show notes. You're going to really enjoy this helpful, wise, and practical conversation with my friend Heather. I'm excited, friends, to welcome my friend Heather Kaliri, and she's going to chat with us about anxiety and embracing it. It's going to be a great conversation. So, thanks for being here, Heather. I'm so pleased to join you. It's so fun. So, yeah, Heather lives down the road from me. We're friends in real life and writerly friends on the internet. So, it's a really great pleasure to have her with us today. Um, but tell us a little bit. You know, you're you're writing about things like awkward Christianity. You're writing about anxiety. Where did all of this begin for you? I think it was a ten year period that I had where I felt this disconnect pretty much in my entire life, but especially in my faith about where I wanted to be and where I thought I should be Hmm. and where I actually was. Mm -hmm. And that gap just felt so incredibly awkward. I thought Mm -hmm. I should be a better Christian. I should be praying all the time. I should be serving. And it felt like getting any of those things to happen, not only it, did it not happen, but when I tried to do them, I would feel worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I would pray and feel more anxious afterwards than I had before I started, mm-hmm. or I read my Bible and I'd feel more disconnected from God than when I first opened up the book. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it just didn't compute. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, there was just this awkwardness of feeling like my my insides and what I was supposed to be like didn't match. Mm-hmm. And what I realized as I started um, healing from that was that that I did, there was no should, right? There was no place where I was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. All there was was where I actually was. And what where I was was with a lot of anxiety. Anxiety yeah. was a lot of the stuff that was driving that disconnect. Mm-hmm. And um, so for me, 
the awkwardness, what seemed like the biggest problem was not actually the problem. The problem was trying to be something other than awkward. Hmm. The problem was trying to become somebody that I wasn't already or imagining that I needed to be somebody else in order to be acceptable to God. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I struggle a lot, particularly with performance anxiety. So in faith, I was just trying to perform my way to God when in fact I needed to be still I needed to be able to be carried instead of working so hard. Mm -hmm. So um, I think what I've really found is when we are in an awkward place of faith, when we feel anxious about that disconnect, we actually are on holy ground because Mm. when we finally admit that to ourselves and to God, we begin having the kind of intimacy and vulnerability that we really need to actually be able to trust God in the first place. Mm. Mm. That is like the open doorway to healing. It feels awkward and uncomfortable, but in fact, it is the very place that Jesus is inviting us into. Yeah. Where do you see some of that anxiety work itself out? Or what does that look like? How does that anxiety present itself? I think a lot of it manifests itself in the in the phrase is this enough am i doing enough am i being a good enough parent am i being a good enough christian and what does that mean what does that word enough mean it's so slippery that at least for me when i think well if i just did this that would be enough and then i do it and it doesn't actually make me feel better so right, i'm like yeah. well clearly that wasn't enough clearly right. that wasn't the goal right. we need to ratchet that up a few more degrees totally um and i also think that disconnect looks like Like, for instance, a reader just emailed me today. She said, I don't actually like going to church. Mm -hmm. We've got these online services. I show up. I don't feel blessed. Am I allowed to stay home? (laughs) (laughs) And that's just a, that's a complicated question, right? Right. But that idea of like, who do we ask permission for from? Mm -hmm to actually be honest with ourselves about how we're feeling, Mm, right? There mm -hmm. could be all kinds of reasons why church isn't life-giving. Some of them might be superficial. Some of them might be because your church is unhealthy. There could be a whole range of issues. How do we actually discern what the root causes are Mm -hmm. and get healthy responses to those problems? Mm -hmm. And a lot of us just say, you know, I don't like going to church. I must be a bad Christian. Right. Or it's like, or I found the wrong church. So like, so then you're always still stuck at that same level of growth, right? Because every five years you're going to switch churches. Exactly. We we say like, this situation feels uncomfortable. This situation feels uncomfortable, awkward. And we stop asking questions. Yep. Yep. We think I'm either to blame or the church is to blame. End of story. And really, I think that that point of awkwardness is a point of having a conversation with God, having a conversation with ourselves, getting really wise counsel from other people. So that's what I mean by that awkward place is a place of invitation that God is pushing us into. The awkward feelings, we think that they are the wrong thing happening, but actually it's an opportunity. Right. You know, and what what I love too about what you're saying is, you know, what that is, is an invitation into relationship with God. And so instead of like all of the I'm not enough sort of language, right, comes from us looking around other people, social media, all these sorts of things as these are the places where I go to find my identity or my worth or comparison, right? Is, well, that mom has it all together or, you know, that person with their advanced degrees or whatever, their social media following seems to have it all together. What's wrong with me? Instead of absolutely what, what does God have for me? 
right now. And yeah. I think not only our relation, it's not only about vulnerability with our relationship with God, it's about vulnerability with ourselves. Yeah. Actually being able to admit to ourselves that we feel that way yeah. is a huge hurdle for a lot of us. Mm-hmm. And then that vulnerability with other people right? Because if we keep hiding and keep pasting a smile on our face and showing up in our community saying, oh, I'm fine, then nobody ever knows. But I have found when I started getting brave enough to say, I really struggle with praying, Mm -hmm. people are like, oh my gosh. (laughs) I mean, either there's two reactions, either people like back the way, way the heck up, Mm -hmm. or they lean in and they say, oh my goodness, me too. And then you have found your people, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. So what are this like, I don't know. I mean, it's not as clear cut as steps, obviously, but what are maybe some of the bullet points, you know, that you found helpful to kind of lean in into that place as invitation um, into feeling, okay, I experienced this anxiety. How do I get through it? Um, Yeah. What are some of those kind of stages that you've noticed? Mm. I think um, Brene Brown had a really helpful point about um, sh- feeling shame. And I think anxiety is sort of a similar emotion. They, I think they're often connected. Yeah. Um, she talks about just noticing where things are in your body. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like so many years, so many years went by with me, not even knowing I was anxious, <laughs> yeah. just not even recognizing our very basic emotions is a huge problem for people. Mm-hmm. So being more in contact with our body, like does it, when you get anxious or when you feel ashamed, do you feel it in your stomach? Do you mm-hmm. feel it in your shoulders? Mm-hmm. You know, do you feel it? Do you get a headache? Just even being able to recognize how your body feels mm-hmm. and noticing that and ha- being kind about that. Yeah. You know, if you yeah. get a headache and you soldier through it and say, this shouldn't <laughs> slow me down, you probably aren't dealing with a root cause <laughs> right? Right. 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 Probably. Right. Probably. If you get a stomach ache and you say, maybe I need five minutes to rest and you, you know, put a a heating pad on your stomach Mm -hmm. and just take care of yourself, you begin to build a kind of trust with your own body and a trust with yourself Mm -hmm. and a vulnerability with yourself to admit that you're not okay. So just feeling things in your body is such a good first step. Mm -hmm. And then I think the next step is being curious why do I feel this way? Yeah. I, um, I had this upsetting conversation with a member of my extended family. Um, and right after I finished, I looked up about 10 minutes after the conversation finished and I was like wandering in circles around my house Yeah. and like just desperate to find something to read. Like I just kept picking yeah. things up or like something to clean. Yeah. And it was like, I was in this fog. And when I finally kind of came to, I was like, what, what have I been doing for the last 10 minutes? It was like the conversation troubled me so much that it just sent me out of my head. And then I was like, why am I doing this? And then I thought, oh, I'm really upset about that conversation. Mm -hmm. It took me 10 minutes (laughs) having an (laughs) out-of-body experience before I even noticed I was upset. I was telling myself, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And then I just started weeping Mm -hmm. because suddenly all that emotion I had been shoving down through the Right. And then it's like, okay, well, what do I need to do to take care of my, like just beginning to ask questions, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. About what the why and okay, what now? Yeah. And why is that so troubling to me? And who might I turn to toward for help? If we start being curious about those emotions that we're feeling, we might actually be surprised 
by how much we already know, Hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. by how much we already know how to take care of ourselves or how much we already recognize what's wrong with us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we can start formulating next steps, but just being in our bodies and paying attention and then asking some, some kind questions of ourselves Mm -hmm. just does so much to help us navigate through these really awful emotions we have sometimes. Yeah. I love that. I think that's really important. And, you know, that there's, there's a sense in which naming to takes away, you know, kind of the blind power of, you know, of our anxieties, um, you know, that being brings order out of chaos, just like back in Genesis, right? When there's names to places mm-hmm. and things, um, then those places and things can, can work well. Yes. So much, I think, of what we do to ourselves is not, like, we literally make our problems unspeakable. Mm. We can't say them out loud because they scare us. Mm-hmm. And as long as they are unspeakable, like how, how are we going to deal with them? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, just even naming them to ourselves privately in a journal mm-hmm. does so much. <laughs> yeah. Free us of that feeling of paralysis. Um, and I think so much of us are just hunkered down in this defensive crouch because life is overwhelming. Right. And how do we, you know, if, if we're noticing, if we're paying attention to our bodies, if we're naming, if we're, you know, writing things down, articulating them in prayer, how do we begin to heal from, mm-hmm. you know, from some of the overwhelm, the hustle, the anxiety? Because I think the question beyond that question is, you know, we can often use some of these tactics to still stay kind of in our little bubble, right? Or to, to choose to only operate like, well, this is my experience and your experience is different. So I don't care about you, you know, to actually stay really insulated and not connected to God and other people. Um, Mm -hmm. So how do we move kind of beyond what's the next step, you know, for towards healing so that we're not simply using these as ways to push off God or community? I think all of our connections have to start from a place of wholeness from a place of being boundaried. So I guess I would say it kind of depends on what you are dealing with, right? Right. I think a lot of us just don't really even know how to take care of ourselves. So then we are not able to connect to other people. We are absolutely spent and resentful and bitter. And of course, you're not going to want to hang out with people. Of course, you're not going to want to be able to serve because you don't have anything left. So I think really first learning how to take care of ourselves listening to our bodies, taking a nap when we're tired. It's like the, you know, treating ourselves like the toddlers that we actually are. Right. Right. (laughs) And then once we have done that, once we are actually beginning to be whole enough to connect to other people, we may have the bandwidth to actually take the next best step. You know, Mm -hmm. I also think that some of us are carrying around burdens of trauma and shame that need to be healed. And in my case, recognizing that I had sort of a genetic predisposition towards anxiety wasn't enough. I really needed to go get therapy and clear out a bunch of stuff in my closet before I was at all fit to connect to other people. Mm -hmm. But I think so much of that healing journey is about really naming things. So like for a long time, I was so angry in church. I could hardly sit in a pew. And I kept, I kept telling, doing those two things that we talked about at the beginning. I blamed myself and Mm -hmm. I blamed my church. And it was only when I finally said, why am I bitter? Why am I angry? Mm -hmm. That, that healing started happening. And that was Mm -hmm. a several year process. 
-hmm. And it took a lot of therapy and it took a lot of journaling and it took a lot of grieving. God made us to be interested in work. God made us to be connected to other people. So when we are in a healthy place, I think that stuff will happen more naturally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We'll be back in just a minute with the rest of our conversation. And I wanted to pass on quickly just a special deal for Finding Holy listeners. If you want someone to walk alongside of you who is a licensed counselor as well as a Christian, then Get Faithful Counseling is a great spot to begin. If you go on over to getfaithful.com slash findingholy, that's getfaithful.com slash findingholy, you'll get a discount on your very first session. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. And here is the rest of my conversation with Heather. There is part of me that wishes that more people would be able to heal concurrently in their community. You know, like that instead of you know, someone disappearing from the prayer group for a month because they're overwhelmed with anxiety, that there might be a way in which that is part of the prayer group, right? You know, that it's, it's you know, that this place is safe enough or I feel safe enough to, be, to bring my in-process self to a community. Hmm. No, I totally agree. I think, I think it takes the person who... The person who is able to share openly and vulnerably to begin doing that, to begin yeah. modeling it. Because yeah. um, I, I actually, so a f- three, four years ago, I joined a small group for my ch- with my church for the first time in years. Yeah. And I, I like literally sat with my arms crossed, leaning back in the chair the whole, <laughs> the whole first like session because yeah. I was like, and I didn't remember this, but you know, years later, one of the women was like, oh, I remember that first day that you showed up. You said, I'm not sure I'm going to stick around because I don't really like small groups. And I, <laughs> I said, oh, did I say that out loud? Shoot. <laughs> Was thinking it in my head, didn't right. realize yeah, I'd yeah, actually yeah. share that with everybody. Yeah. And I think, I think I was in a position to say that out loud because I just had nothing to lose. Yeah. I had nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. And so many of us, and now honestly, I might have a little bit of a hard time being that honest in a group because I have something to lose. Like right, I've actually right. built up a community, but because I've been with these women for four years and several of the other women in that first session began sharing honestly, Hmm. it got the ball rolling. And now people share honestly 
when they are struggling with faith. They mm-hmm. share honestly mm-hmm. when they are struggling with their children. And mm-hmm. there is a space where people can actually be honest, mm. but it takes somebody to start it. And yep. it's hard in church because a lot of us have been trained to bring our shiniest selves. Mm. And it's hard to get people to stop doing that. <laughs> even, totally. even if you have healthy leadership, like right. I, I am yeah. in a healthy church where yeah. that is modeled from the front yeah. and it's still hard. Right hard. Yeah. Thanks for that, Heather. So here's another thought. Like, what do we do practically to get that message so that we can be brave with God? I would say there's a certain amount of humility in that. I think it doesn't come through deciding, well, I'm going to be different today. <laughs> right. Today you is know? my really vulnerable day. Yeah. Today we're achieving vulnerability. Yes. <laughs> Unlock. Um, yes, exactly. So I think it comes through saying all I can manage is this and doing that. So mm. uh, there was a time where I was really upset about something and like the last thing I wanted to do was pray about it. Yeah. And I was like, nope, not going to, not going to pray. Don't have to, don't want to. (laughs) And finally I was just like, okay, I'll do one word, (laughs) you know, from that Anne Lamont book, but she has that book about prayer. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so I was like, literally, all right. Anne Lamont said I could pray one word. Yep. That's it. Like so resentfully. And I was just, I sort of like begrudgingly bowed my head and said, help. And suddenly again, like something unknotted inside of me. Like I was willing to just do this tiny little thing. That was all I had bandwidth for. And suddenly like a door swung open and I wanted to pray. Hmm. I hadn't before. Very honestly, I was (laughs) honest with God about that. Mm-hmm. And just that one word gave me the wherewithal to pray for two minutes. Mm. Or, you know, and I think it's not just like, I think sometimes we think that our spiritual life and our household life and our work life, that those are all separate things. Right. And so therefore we need to get our ducks in a row in each of them. But I actually think they are all an interconnected ecosystem. Yeah. And if we can show up with bravery for 30 seconds in one area of our lives, that builds the resilience to show up in bravery in another area of our life. So totally. for me, motherhood was such a crucible of, okay, I really want to just be present with my kids for this afternoon. And I am about ready to like poke my eyes out because yep. they are three and oh my gosh, right? right? And like just sitting and breathing and existing for the afternoon without poking my eyes out showed me like, oh, you can do it. (laughs) I still have eyes at the end of the day. This is insane. This is a miracle of Jesus. Yes. Oh, I know. So it's like, or like in writing, like there were so many days where all I could do was set a timer for five minutes and write a hundred words. And that was literally all I had bandwidth for. But being able to say, I am just going to bear with this awkward feeling Mm -hmm. and this awkward moment that I am. And I'm literally going to set a timer because I need to know when I can give myself permission to be done. Right. And the timer is for 30 seconds. Yep. And I'm going to be patient for 30 seconds. And then I'm going to let myself off the hook in any area of your life that is going to reap 
fruit elsewhere. Mm-hmm. It's going to build that sense of trust and resilience in you that helps you carry bigger loads in the future. But that happens through God's power and not through us like bootstrapping ourselves right, or like whipping sure. ourselves into shape or right. gritting our teeth. It's like, no, this is a, this is a movement. This is an invitation. This is a very slow process. Mm-hmm. And the growth that happens is really because of Jesus and not because we were working harder. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Because really like hustle will get you nowhere, right? It just, oh gosh, yeah. Ashley, you and I are both hustlers. <laughs> I would really love hustle to work. <laughs> But instead, it's a narrow path of slow spiritual transformation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, I think those are, those are some really helpful starting points, Heather. I appreciate it so much. I think just to, you know, to think about our bodies, I, I noticed even in the pandemic, like for the first few weeks, I had like this horrible like backache and, the, and just like the searing pain. And, and then I, re- I read something about talking about particularly back problems can be like you're bracing, you know, for your, for something. And I was like, Oh, it makes sense. You know, there's a global <laughs> pandemic that I'm bracing and not able to like engage fully in my life. Um, but totally. I think, yeah, I think it's so important to recover some of these ways in which our lives are holistic and they're not boxed up and compartmentalized and anxiety is going to spill out in all different areas. And so even just some of these small steps, I think are really very helpful ways to begin to be curious about ourselves so that God can heal them. Mm, thank you. I, I love being practical because honestly, I'm so done with just the idea of like, it's better because of Jesus. Like, I love Jesus. That never works for me. <laughs> right. You're like, but tell me what I do. Like, how do I, how do I connect all these dots? And so, yeah, thank yeah. you for connecting some of those dots. Because mm. the truth is anxiety in a weird way is not all bad. It actually has some lessons to teach us, and it is giving us important information. If we try to just shove it away from us, we are missing out on some of the potential gifts that God could bring into our lives. It's Mm. not a place we should stay. It's not a place God wants us to be in. But that doesn't mean that it isn't sometimes um, a really important thing to pay attention to. Mm. Yeah. Well, I would love to ask you, Heather, as we conclude our conversation, what is your laundry routine? And has it changed during the pandemic? Do you have like a whole new system now? Or are you hustling with your laundry? Or... (laughs) (laughs) Hustling. Good. Um, no. So I um, homeschool my kids already. I have homeschooled them since they were little. So um, they are now 10 and 13. And our routine has not changed because we are still homeschooling. Um, I So we do a little bit of laundry every single day, mm-hmm. which is very much my MO because anything more than that makes me so anxious. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> like right. even you my chores. See, you can see the piles. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So um, my kids job is in the morning to gather all of the laundry from the baskets in the house and bring it down. And then they sort it and they put the first load of the day in. Sometimes that's the only load of the day, sometimes not. And then my job later is to come back and like pull everything out, sort it. And then if there's enough laundry to take it upstairs, then I take it upstairs and they, we all put our own stuff away. So we work together Yeah, and it feels manageable. I mean, I only have two kids, so the amount of laundry isn't overwhelming, but, um, it made such a difference when my kids started helping me, like when they were, it wasn't, it was maybe three, four years ago. So, um, they were younger, but not super right, young. Right. Um, but oh my gosh, the amount of resentment I felt. 
in yes. our household yes. was halved in like right, five Right, right. You're like, oh, <laughs> you get to be willing workers in this family <laughs> ecosystem. I love it. Yes, we've yes. done a little bit that of more of that in the pandemic of like, okay, guess what? If we're all living together and working together, everybody gets to pitch in. So yes. it's been good. It's been good. Yes. Well, thank you so much. I'm excited. And um, friends, I hope you'll go and find your course. We'll put that link in the show notes. But thank you for bringing us just the invitation uh, to these moments of anxiety that they can be more than something to just kind of crumble under. I appreciate it. It's so much, such a pleasure to talk with you, Ashley. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Friends, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Heather Kaliri. I encourage you to click over on the link in the show notes and get that free five-day course on anxiety that she is offering. And also, if you are interested in some of these topics, I'd love to point you to a few past episodes of the Finding Holy podcast. The last one was just last week, episode 49 with Daniel M. on hustle culture. It's great. There's also episode 37 with Justin Whitmill Early, where we talk about overwhelm and developing a rule of life. And also, I'd like to draw your attention to episode 21 with Mike Cosper. We talk about mental illness and developing a Christian imagination. And so friends, I want to leave you with one small step, a practical step to take into your everyday holy life as we talked about anxiety and we want to work with it rather than just simply shut it off or stuff it or feel overwhelmed by it. It's simply the practice of a five-minute check-in. And so every day, take five minutes. Maybe it's an appointment on your calendar or an alarm that goes off on your phone to remind you. But in these five minutes, you just do a simple few things. The first is to pay attention to your body. Maybe if you're working at a desk or you're working with people or ideas, you've forgotten what the sensations are in your body. Maybe you realize you haven't eaten. Maybe you have some nausea or a headache or a shoulder tension. So pay attention to your body. The second thing then is to begin to ask yourself some curiosity questions. Why am I tight there? What does that feel like? Put names to some of those bodily sensations. And then after you've asked yourself, I wonder why questions, some of those curiosity questions, bring those questions to God. Have it be a conversation. Maybe ask that the Holy Spirit would show some of these roots of some of this tension and anxiety that you're feeling. Like I had this massive back pain for the first month of the pandemic without even realizing that I was bracing for something. And then also ask the Holy Spirit to begin to reveal to you how you might be involved in your community. We want to make sure that we're not simply dealing with our anxiety individually, but that we're also moving outwards to our community. I'd love to hear how it goes. You can always tag me on social media. We'd be honored if you subscribed and shared this episode. We have a lot of great weekly episodes coming up. We're back to weekly again, friends, because I have turned in my second book. So hooray. I will tell you so much more about A Spacious Life later. But we're back to weekly episodes. So subscribe so you don't miss anything. Because remember, friends, big things matter. But so does the laundry.
This episode was brought to you in part by the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast, an outreach dedicated to bringing joy, strength, intimacy, and purpose to couples seeking growth. Be sure to visit enneagramandmarriage.com to find your chemistry together again, or for the very first time.